We've all been hurt. We all have scars. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can all overcome and we can all be healed. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. This segment of Healing Scars with Pastor Burton is brought to you by Scars and Stripes Coffee, premium coffee that directly empowers the life of a veteran. Get yours today at www.ss.coffee forward slash rominger. That's www.ss.coffee forward slash R-O-M-I-N-G-E-R. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. Uh, thank you again so much for tuning in. Um, we're going to continue on in the book of Haggai, and we're going to finish up uh, this short book in this very short series. Now, I'm sure you noticed going through chapter one, there's a lot more going on in this book than people give it credit for. And we're going to go even deeper now. So, in Haggai's second message, uh, it was given during the Festival of Tabernacles. So before we dive into Haggai chapter 2, let's actually go back a little bit and let's look at Leviticus chapter 23. And we're going to go through verses 23 through 44. Okay, so that's Leviticus 23. And we're going to start in at verse uh, 33. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to see exactly what the festival of tabernacles is, why it's so important. All right, so in Leviticus 23, verses 33 through 44, the Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days, present food offerings to the Lord. It is the closing special assembly. Do no work. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord. The burnt offerings and the grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths and in addition to your or to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the freewill offerings you give the Lord. So, beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of Sabbath rest, and the eighth day also is a day of Sabbath rest. On the first day, you are to take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live 
in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses announced to the Israelites the appointed festivals of the Lord. So this was a week-long party. It started with the Sabbath and it ended with the Sabbath. And the Bible tells us that this was a big celebration where families would gather. So very much like Christmas or Easter for us today, this was a big gathering. And they would teach the younger generations about who God is, about his nature, what he had done for them reminded them and taught them of their history. So in other words, they shared their testimonies. And as much as this festival was about celebration, it was also about renewing their commitment to God. See, you see, it's, it's important to remember, this was about God and family. When you think about it, it's worshiping the Lord as a family. See, this is an example um, of why you should attend services as a family and not necessarily just on your own. Now, of course, if you can't get a family member to join you for service, go anyway. You know, pray for them. Reach out to us. We'll pray as well. You know, don't put your spiritual life on hold in the hopes that a loved one will join you one day. Keep in mind, your example and your dedication may be what they need to see in order to convince them to go. As you recall, Haggai 1, that was a big problem. Is you know People put their spiritual life on hold, their commitment to God on hold. Don't fall into that same trap. Now, continuing on to Haggai chapter 2, and we're going to pick this up in the very first verse. We're going to read uh, Haggai 2 verses 1 through 9 to start. All right. So the Bible says, in the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and earth, the sea, and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty.
The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Wow. There's a lot going on here, isn't there? So, at this point, as we see, the new temple has been completed. And the people, especially the older people, who were who could remember, you know, how things were, they were just really let down. They were bummed. You know, this this temple was smaller. It didn't have all the glitz and the glam um, of the original. So, you know, they're just like, wow, really? This is it? This is, you know, um, it, it, was, it was a big letdown. So God's second message here, it acknowledges the new temple and that it was smaller than the original. However, God, so good with this. He was happy with this. He tells everyone, everyone to be strong. Basically saying, keep your faith in him. Keep your faith in the Lord and keep moving forward. It's okay. This is good. He also reminds them of his promise as we see at the end of verse 4 and into verse 5 when he says, for I am with you. His promise that he would never completely leave. See, in this this promise is really important, and being able to remind them of this important, just you know, it speaks um, volumes because this promise goes all the way back to Exodus. If you go back to Exodus chapter twenty-nine, verses forty-five through forty-six, the Bible says, "Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God." who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. See, this is God's desire to protect his people, to be with them. All right, He wants to live with all of us, to be in our hearts. And God was reminding them and all of us that we need to keep our faith in him and we need to keep moving forward, that there's nothing to fear because he has promised to never completely leave us. And he's held that promise for a really, really long time. All right, now, looking back to Haggai chapter 2, and we're going to go through verses 6 through 9 here, um, we see something big. God says, in a little while. This wasn't meaning in the immediate future. You know, not a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years. This is showing and talking about God's control of time because he's everywhere. He's very, you know, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once throughout all time. Um, and it also t- is talking about how he will do things in his time, not ours, but in his time. It also sounds an awful lot like Matthew 36, if you think about it. When Jesus tells us, but about that day or hour, no one knows, 
not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Not only that, but we see the focus shift from being about Jerusalem and its people to being about all of the world. You'll notice the Bible says all nations, not one, not two, not three, but all of them. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And finally, God promises that his new temple will be even greater than the original, and it will bring great glory to him. You know, don't they say, you know, uh, dynamite comes in small packages? You know, and that's it's huge. So stay faithful. Remember his promises and work. All right. God has the means to do anything and everything. He can do it all himself. I mean, he's the creator of everything. Everything. You know, he has the ability to make others do the work for him if he so wanted. Uh, however, what he really wants are willing hands volunteers, an open heart, you know, people who are humble and open themselves up to let him work through them just as he has with every single generation that has come before us. So ask yourself, are you available to do his work in the world? Because he's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. He's waiting on all of us to answer that question and to open ourselves up. Now, let's look at Haggai 2, verses 10 through 19. All right. So, on the 24th day of this ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied. It becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, So it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now, give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of twenty measures, there were only ten. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw fifty measures, 
there were only 20. I struck all the work from of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. In this section, God is telling them that their being holy will not just rub off on others. However, anything unholy absolutely will. All right, it'll, it'll spread like fire. Just as the work on the temple would not wipe away their sin or return return their wealth, you know, their their blessings, our blessings only come from rep- repentance. From having a changed heart. You know, many of us are guilty of going to work with poor attitudes. We've all been guilty of this at some point. Some of us, a lot more often than others. And I'm not talking about that one-off bad day. You know, they're going to happen. I'm talking about that daily grind when you go and you're just like, oh, Let's just get this over with. Uh, day three of the hostage situation. Uh, I can't wait for Friday. Are we there yet? You know, when when you go and, and you know you, you have this attitude, or even even worse yet, when you go when you have the wrong reason for doing the work, simply chasing that next payout. You know, following the money. Little idolatry there, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a break right here. Let me tell you. So, there's a guy I, I've known. I've known him a long, long time. Never ever saw this guy going into law enforcement, not once. Um, one day he tells me, "Yeah, hey, um, I'm getting ready to go to the academy." I was like, "What?" And uh, I asked him, I'm like, you know, what, what drew you this way? What, you know, what, what made you uh, feel that this was uh, the, the, the calling for you? And he said, you know, when I got out of the army, I just wanted a job where I could still carry a gun. Talk about the wrong reason. Wrong reasons. You know, and, and when we do these things, we contaminate our work. Our poor attitudes, they mix with others. And the next thing you know, people are gathering together to complain, to gossip, and to look for ways to do as little as possible and still get paid. And then, even after all this, they still have the gall to complain that they're not paid enough. God's work comes through a joyful heart when we're filled and transformed by the Holy Spirit. You know, th- think of it this way. You put 
some cake in front of a child on their first, second, or even their third birthday and just let them go at it. The next thing you know, it is all over the place. It's on them, their clothes, the table, the floor, the ceiling, somehow the couch in the next room, the the neighbor's car, and so on and so forth. For those of you who don't have kids, let me know. I'll show you pictures of my son's first birthday. All right. Our sin and our bad attitudes are just the same as that cake. In verse 16, we see God is reminding them that the reason their crops had produced so poorly was because during that time, the people did not do what they were supposed to. They hadn't taken care of the temple. Yet in verses 18 and 19, they tell us that as soon as they went back to work, they were blessed with good crops. It was right away. Not after the work it was done. Not after it had gotten complete to a certain point or, you know, or milestones or anything else. Rather, as it was as soon as they went back to work. And they truly went back to work. And this was because their priorities were now straightened out and they were doing things with a joyful heart and for the right reasons. They were excited to go back to work. They were happy. They were encouraged to do so. You know, um, in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, the Bible says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When, you know, when it comes to giving, why you're giving something is much more important than what you're giving. And this is in everything. You know, they say it's not so much the gift, it's the thought that counts. Absolutely. Not how much and not how glamorous a gift is. Your time, your property, your money, all of it. And don't let anyone, even if they're in a pulpit, Guilt you into giving anything, and, you know, and saying that if you don't, you're not in line with what God demands. What God demands is that you are giving for the right reasons and happy to do so without wanting anything in return. Let me say that again. Without wanting anything in return. It brings glory to him. That is what brings you in line with what the Lord wants. That is what brings joy to the Father. And that is when he'll bless you with things you didn't even know were in store for you. Remember it says, don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. Alright? You have to want to do it. Now, we're going to go into the home stretch. We're almost there. Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. The Bible says, The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. 
I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. In his final message, Haggai acknowledges that he is the messenger, that the message was from the Lord and addressed to Zerubbabel, Judah's governor. And the message was to encourage everyone to stop worrying and to get their priorities straight. To get out of their comfort zones and put God and his work first. Isaiah 43 verse 10, the Bible says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. All of this happened so that the people, so all of us, could witness God. To share our testimony for what he has done for us, just like they could share their testimony for what he had done for them. We are his witnesses. Throughout all this book, I'm always reminded of a song that came out in the early 90s. You know, it's not a style or a group that I've ever really been a fan of, uh, but it's short, the lyrics just always stuck with me in the back of my mind. Um, the song itself, it's a Salutations by the House of Pain, and the lyrics um, go like this. Uh, the time has come for everyone to clean up their own backyard before they go knocking on their neighbor's door. And later on, it continues on to say, check yourself before you check another. And they're talking about the same thing that we're talking here, getting your priorities straight, getting things back in order, taking care of your business before you go looking anywhere else. You know, God's giving you a mission. And it's real easy to get overwhelmed with what we're looking at. So we need to step back and reevaluate things. See, nothing has changed when it comes to human nature. God set an example you know, with the, with the Jews. He told us that when we put him first and we look to him for guidance, he will give us strength and direction. When we're feeling down, he will pick us up. And when we go out into the world and we get out of our own comfort zones, when we give our testimony about God and our lives, then, then, People will see his light in us. Thank you for tuning in to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. Or you can visit our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. God bless.